you guys here yeah can I tell you guys a secret as we get started a little secret that some of us may or may not know life is hard right I know it's a well-known secret right life is hard it can be really hard right there are there are sometimes there are days weeks months years where it just seems like everything is going wrong. Right? We've all been there, right? Where just, it seems like just nothing is going right for us. Every, every corner we turn, there's nothing but trouble. Every thought we have, it just goes down the wrong way. Right? We struggle at times. You know, this last week, I had the opportunity to talk to all my companies about suicide awareness and how they're not alone in the struggle here and they have people to listen to them. I think sometimes we forget that. And we just, when things are going wrong, we just feel alone. We can be in a crowded group of people and be completely alone and feel like nobody sees us. Nobody hears us. Nobody knows our story. And it can be a, a miserable place to be at times. But today, today I want you to know that you're not alone. All right? It's amazing. We have a God that hears us. Jesus hears us. The Holy Spirit hears us as we cry out in that alone place in our lives. They want to hear. They want us to cry out to them. And so as we, as we dig into the scripture, we're going to go into Lamentations chapter 3. But I think before we really get into the passage, we need to understand what's going on. Uh, it's a book that we probably haven't read a whole lot for many of us. So let me set this up. It goes back to 2 Kings and Chronicles. And 2 Chronicles, as, Egypt, as uh, Israel is being punished for being disobedient to God. As they've continually turned away from God and done their own thing, and God finally says, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to take you out of Israel uh, puts you into bondage. And so at the end of those two, those two books, we see where the king of Babylon comes in, brings his armies in, destroys the city, destroys the city walls, goes into God's temple, destroys it, takes all the precious metals and takes them back to Babylon. And if that's not enough, he grabbed people and took a majority of the people with him to Babylon. And Jeremiah is there in Jerusalem, realizing there's nothing left. I mean, just imagine your world turned upside down like that. And as I thought about this, I was thinking about what's happening today. 
Think about places in war-torn countries today. Ukraine, right, where missiles are going off and things are being destroyed and their world is just being shaken as their lifestyle is just being destroyed. Right, we think back to like World War II, the cities that were just ransacked and destroyed by the armies. And how they must have felt hopeless in those moments as they're sitting there, just trying to live. And everything was just shaken. This is where Jeremiah was as he's writing this book of Lamentations, this, this time of lamenting and sadness in his life. All hope had been lost to a lot of the Israelites during this time. And so as we look, I want to look at uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. I want you to just kind of listen to the words of Jeremiah that he writes and just listen for his desperate plea that he's going through, the struggle in his life and the imagery he uses as he talks about what's going on. So it's, I am a man who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven me away and forced me to walk in darkness instead of light. Yes, he repeatedly turns his hand against me all day long. He has worn away my flesh and skin. He has shattered my bones. He has laid siege upon siege against me, encircling me with bitterness and hard, hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have been dead for ages. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I cry out and plead for help, he rejects my prayer. He has walled in my ways with cut stones. He has made my paths crooked. He is a bear waiting in ambush, a lion in hiding. He forced me off my way and tore me to pieces. He left me desolate. He strung his bow and set me, set me as a target for his arrow. He pierced my kidneys with his arrows. I am a laughingstock to all my people, mocked by their songs all day long. He filled me with bitterness and, set, and, and satisfied me with wormwood. He ground my teeth on gravel and made, my, made me cower in the dust. My soul has been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. And then I thought, my future is lost, as well as my hope from the Lord. And that imagery Jeremiah is using, the pain, the suffering. And I'm sure as I read through that, some of those pieces hit harder than others in, what you, in your experiences in life and how, how deep and in despair Jeremiah must have been as he wrote those words. To have no hope. To not know what was going on. To feel like you're completely alone in a world. I mean, that's where Jeremiah was, was standing at in that moment. And I think that there's times when we've, we've been there. we felt that pain. That suffering in our own lives. Right? We may not have been... In the, in the exact same situation that he was in where everything was torn and tore up and taken away. But I think we've felt that before. However, the great thing is, is as we read a little bit farther, things change in Jeremiah's life. All right? Not the circumstances, 
The circumstances stay the same, but his perspective on the situation changes. So let's pick up in um, verse 21. And so after he's talking about that, he says, uh, Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Why? Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say, The Lord is my portion, and therefore I put my hope in him. So he went from deep despair to just a a little bit later saying, I have hope. My hope is my God, the one I worship. Yes, everything is bad around me. My world is not the greatest, but I have hope because God gives me mercy. Things could be much worse. Things could always be worse. But God gives me mercy. He gives me faithfulness. Right? And I, I just imagine that as Jeremiah was sitting there, he was remembering the stories of his people. We think about the Israelites enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. And when, he came to, when God came to Moses, God said, I've heard the cries of my people. I've heard the cries of my people. God heard the cries. It didn't change the situation necessarily, but God heard their cries. They weren't alone in that time period. God was working, but the people had to be patient for God's plan. And even in this, Jeremiah's crying out, but it won't be for another 125 years before God sends Nehemiah to rebuild the city walls. 125 years, and yet Jeremiah is still saying, I'm going to serve the God because he gives me hope in the midst of my struggles. And I'm sure he remembered when the Israelites left Egypt and they were out in the wilderness and they were hungry. And God said, I'm going to send you manna every day. It's going to be on the ground when you wake up in the morning. You don't have to work for it. I'm going to give it to you. Every day I'm going to give you food. I'm going to take care of you. You know, he does that for us too. You know, I'm sure he remembered King David's psalms that, that were written. And the stories of David fighting. And God giving him love and mercy and grace along his life. A man who wasn't perfect, who went through many, many struggles, Right? We look at David's life. David's life was not an easy life. He made mistakes. The world was against him at times. He tried to do the right thing and things still went bad for him. But we have a book of Psalms where he just praised God in the midst of that. And he repented of when he did wrong. See, Jeremiah knew in that moment in his, even though things were super dire, Right? Nothing was going well. He knew that with God's faithfulness and mercies, that everything would be okay for him. Right? It didn't change the circumstances, didn't change the situation. 
but it gave him peace and it gave him hope to know that God is in charge. So today, right, we, we sit here. Today you might be going through your own times of crisis. Today you may feel alone. Right? Even though you're in training with people, you're with family, you're with friends, you may be sitting in that room feeling all alone. Today you may be crying out to God to give you peace, to give you strength. But I want you to know that God knows you. God knows everyone in this room. He knows your story. He knows the background. He knows your secrets. He knows your joys. He knows your sadness. He knows your thoughts. And he loves you. Keep crying out to him. Sometimes it takes time for you to learn and do as he wants you to do. Sometimes it's just waiting upon him for you to get to a certain place in life. But keep crying out to him. Like the Israelites, he hears your cries. He hears your voice. I love in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel. Right? They, they go through a tough time. Everything was good for them. They were put in power. King Nebuchadnezzar said, worship a, a statue of, of King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we're not going to worship your statue, king. And the king says, worship me or you will die. I'll throw you in the fiery pit. Now I love their response. Their response was, our God can save us from the fiery pit that you put in front of us. But even if he doesn't choose to save us this day, we are going to stand here and worship him. Right? Even if he doesn't choose to save us, I still want you to know that our God is God and I'm going to worship him no matter what because he controls our lives. He controls our future. Not you, King Nebuchadnezzar. And so today we can look at it and go, even with all the struggles, everything around us, God controls our lives. God controls our future if we trust him. He'll take care of us. We can listen to stories from other people in our lives also about how God brought peace to a situation. So for me, there's some little stories that may not seem meaningful to you, but to me, they were big things because it was God bringing peace into my life. So a few years ago when I was working at seminary, I, was, I wanted to go out and do a lot of things that I felt kind of trapped. I was working a job on campus. I was going to school on campus. We'd leave campus and go to church every once in a while. But I felt like I was wanting to do more in that moment. And so I was struggling with that. And I was asking God, what do you want me to do? What can I do more? I remember just crying out to him one day and asking that. And God gave me an answer that's simple. He had somebody come to me and say, that just in my working at a little guard shack and, and smiling at them, and as people come in, I, change, I, I made an impact on his life. 
Is that a big thing? Not for them, but for me it was a big thing because it said, God, God's telling me I want you to just stay put and be where I have you right now. He affirmed the situation. He said, I'm in control. This is what I want. You know, sometimes God provides even without us crying out for it. Those are kind of the coolest stories. When God knows our needs that we don't even know we have and he takes care of the situation in advance and we can look backwards and go, wow, God, you are amazing. So I remember my oldest daughter was like one, two, two years old, somewhere around there. We were dirt poor, had no money. End of the month. We're sitting in the car outside my parents' house and trying to figure out how we're going to get juice for my daughter to drink. And we're sitting there having a conversation about it and realizing that we didn't have the money in the bank account to go buy a bottle of juice for our child. Now, as we're having this conversation, out, comes, out of the door comes my mom with two big old bottles of juice saying, I thought you guys might need these. See, God had put it in her heart or just by accident before we even need, had the need to have it provided for us in His way. So that's just a couple of little things that God did in my life that gave me hope to keep going forward. But it's not always the big major stories that, that we need, right? Sometimes the little things give us that extra breathing room to look back on and go, you know, God took care of it then, God's going to take care of it now, and He's going to take care of it in the future. Because that's who He is. But you know, there's one, one thing that was even more important to me that made the biggest change in my life. When I was nine years old, sitting in church, I realized something about myself as the preacher was preaching. That I was a sinner. And that sin, the penalty of it, as I'd been told all the way th- as I was growing up, was this, the penalty for sin is death. Eternal death without God. That's a dark place to be, right? To, be, to realize in a moment that what I've done, my actions in my life have created separation from God my Father. And there's nothing I could do to get back with Him. To get back in the light of God. Because I had already sinned. I had done things wrong in my life. Even at nine, I had turned away from God and had an eternal separation because of my actions. I was lost without hope. I was dead in my sin. But you know what? God knew that about me. He knew that that moment... That day, that second, I was going to have those thoughts and I was going to realize how desperate I was and how without hope I was. So 2,000 years ago, God sent His Son 
His only son. Right? He walked on the earth. He was born as a baby. Grew up. Walked on the earth. And pleased God in every way. He lived a perfect life without sin. And then God said, Son, I need you to give your life. I need you to give your life on the cross. So that Charles Robertson, in 2,000 years, he's going to be needing you in this moment. He's going to need you to pay for, for his sins that he cannot pay. Because he's going to be lost without hope. And he needs you. And it wasn't just for me he did that for. He did that for everyone in here. Right, so there's a moment every one of you are going to realize the depths of where you are. And without God, there is no hope. He said, my son, they need you. So Jesus came and lived on earth. And he fulfilled all the prophecies from the Old Testament and was obedient to God in every way. And then he allowed the Jewish leaders to arrest him. He allowed them to take, allowed the leaders to take him to the Romans. And he allowed the Romans to execute him on the cross. He allowed it. At any point in time, he could have said, no, I'm done. The pain is too hard. But instead, I said, I love you people so much that I will give my life for you. I will take the pain. I will take the suffering so that you can have hope. So that you can have eternal life with God. And so he did that. And then he did something that no one else had ever done. Three days later, God brought him back from the dead. And our sins at that point were able to be forgiven because the penalty was paid because he loves us. See, God, God took care of that and gave me hope before I even needed the hope. And so each day as I walk, when I go through those times of struggle, those times of pain, I can look back at what God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit have done for me. Right? How, how he's taken care of the little things in my life. So when I start worrying about things, I can say, God, you've worked before. You'll work now. I don't know the timetable. I don't know what the full plans are. But I know in the end, your will will be done. And it will be what's best for us if I just wait for you to do your thing. If I just give it to you, you'll take care of it. The ultimate, we must understand one thing, that through God's faithfulness, we can find faith, uh, find peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way to get back to God is through Jesus Christ. 
through his blood covering us, his salvation. But we also know that without God, we cannot know true peace. Without God, we cannot know true peace. But the world wants to tell us otherwise. But without God, there is no peace. For any country, any culture, any world, without the blood of Jesus Christ covering us, we can't reach God where the true peace is at. We can't know it without those. Now as I close, I, I always want to be very careful when I'm talking about this subject, is that I don't want anybody to think that accepting Jesus Christ as Savior means you have a perfect life. Right? Everything's going to go good. And there's not going to be any struggles and pain and sorrow in life. I could in no way conscious, in, in good, good faith tell you that because it's not true. Right? People who are saved by the blood of Christ still face issues in life. Right? It's still there. Right? Jeremiah, even with this realization, he still had to sit through the pain. The people there, even if they turned back to God, it was still 125 years before they built the wall. God had a plan. It may not be the easiest life. It may not be what we think is easy. But they had hope. They knew there was a Messiah coming. Right? As they read through, through the Old Testament, as, it, as they read through those scrolls, they knew there was a Messiah coming at some point. The good news for us is the Messiah came. He died and he rose again. And so we have victory over that death. And through Christ, we can get back to God. Amen. So focus on that as you walk away today. Focus that we can have Christ. And that's who our hope comes through. Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you once again. Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross. Father, we thank you for paying a price that we owe before we even knew we owed it. Father, thank you for giving us life. Thank you for giving us a chance to serve you, a chance to honor you. Father, thank you for the tough times that we can stop and focus on who you are and what you've done and what you're going to do in our lives. Father, let us praise you as things are a struggle and not turn away from you. Father, give us reminders each day as we walk forward of what you've done in our past so that we can honor you in the future. Father, we just praise you and love you. In your heavenly name, amen.